0: This is the meat of the podcast. Wait, have you ever Have you ever caught
1: your Have you ever caught your profile reflection in the mirror? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Like a yeah. yeah. This is going to be disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, yo, this shit feels like I won't ever make it. home off of this this is she's in Russia I'm Smith that's it
1: that's all you say now yeah okay. i I'm Lily and today we have our first guest from Russia from Russia. <laughs>
2: Hi there, I'm Max.
1: Hi Max. Max is just just a typical Russian person who's going to. Sorry. Um, yeah, my friend Max so kindly agreed to join us today. Thanks, Max.
2: Definitely, I'm very excited to be with you today.
1: <laughs> awesome. Really, that's all we say. We don't say anything about like we, we cut out where we're from. Me and Max are in Russia. Oh, right. Okay, and I'm in Brooklyn. I guess I c- get confused. That's yeah. okay. You can, cut, you, can, you can splice that in. So w-
0: what are we talking about today,
1: guys? We're talking about pieces, a few newsworthy stories. We want to talk about this very apparently important rap battle between two Russian rappers that took place earlier this month. And we just want to introduce it because it was something that was like all over the news at the time and then continues there now are like a bunch of like memes and like people reacting to it. And it continues to be like a fairly big topic. Next.
2: America's Dark Side.
1: <laughs> yeah. America. Russia's America's Dark Side.
0: Um, what is the actual title of it? Oh, the, yeah, it's an it's an opinion piece in the new york times titled why are american liberals so afraid of russia um so we're going to talk about that and then
2: and the last one is about the theater director kirill serebrinkov and his case and what happened with him just like last month in russia very interesting one
0: so where do you guys want to
1: start i kind of want to start with the article okay let's start with the article then the article so it's written by Nice. you know who this guy... Like, have you heard of him? Is he a person? About this guy?
2: You mean who wrote this article? Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard about him, but I mean, I read who he is. And it's very interesting because he's Russian, definitely. Ivan Krastev. And he's sitting in Vienna. And that's very interesting to see. And he's... Well-educated. I mean, I liked his link about the Dostoevsky and about the... I mean, it's very interesting to see how he connects this idea with Russian policy and American liberals, why they're afraid of Russia so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, he. so no one will have read this, probably. Well, just, just to introduce the article, it's basically, so it's an op-ed, it's basically saying, like, analyzing the question of, yeah, why America not just why are American liberals so afraid of Russia, but like, why is what is what's with the obsession, which we talk about a lot on this podcast, like uh, obsession about Russia recently and Putin as this like evil, evil, but like also like very powerful,
0: mighty he man character.
1: Yeah, like our all powerful villain, super villain, um who is a threat to American democracy, et cetera, et cetera. And why Russia and why not other places? Like, why not China? Why not North Korea? Like, what's the obsession? And so he wants to break it down. But yeah, his main metaphor that he ends up using is what Max just said. Like, he compares the relationship between Russia and the U.S. He uses a Dostoevsky short story called The Double to talk about that relationship where it's like there's two doppelgangers and one of them is like the shittier version of the other right
2: yeah it's like white and dark side angel and demon in it's like very you know bakhtin's idea of bakhtin uses this small piece to explain the cultural idea of why we're afraid of ourselves
1: who is that bakhtin is a literary critic
2: yeah i guess like the the most like popular in united states because he was prohibited in soviet union because of his ideas and his liberal views. and But he's very important not only for lit, literal studies, but for cultural studies at all, like in general and in anthropology, in contemporary postmodernist stuff, they use a lot of Bakhtin's ideas. But he based all his thoughts on literature, and that's why, and it's very interesting to see like how he combines. I mean, about this article, it's very interesting to like how the author starts it, like that when it was the Soviet Union and United States during the Cold War, it was like clearly to see that Russia and United States are very different. And that's the point, like completely two different types of everything. And now they're not. Author's opinion that that's why the United States looks to Russia like they look to the mirror that shows your dark side.
1: In the end, he uses this image of like, yeah, like you're looking at, it's like you're potentially Americans looking at Russia or America looking at Russia is like looking at a scary future self. I didn't have a problem with like this general idea
0: or the fact that like maybe America and Russia are like converging in some way in the way that their political states are run. But A, I guess I'm not convinced and he kind of alludes this, but I'm not convinced that Americans are aware enough of Russia to even like see any sort of reflection whatsoever, or any other country for that matter, really. And then the the, the other thing is that it, it sort of seems like he's combining, like, individualistic analysis of psychology with, like, large-scale beliefs about other countries and what i mean by that is like i just feel like that's like kind of a stereotypical thing to say is like oh well you don't like this person because they have traits that are similar to you just like how he's using this uh story to talk about it but i don't know if you can actually expand that to the like nation scale
1: yeah it's really mass psychology i don't know i found the like comparison i don't know i am surprised max that you like it or maybe i'm missing something but i also i didn't read the double, so i like don't really know what i'm talking about but i find the comparison like kind of cheesy no
2: i mean i didn't like the article so i'm (laughs) I'm not like it doesn't mean that i agree with the author but i mean it's very interesting to see it reminds me of the anthropology of the 19th century what you're sitting in your at your table and thinking, well, what will be the Native Americans will do? So, let's write about their rights, let's write about their kinship system, and okay, that's it, I'm done, there is a book. So, it's based on nothing. People very often use this idea, I don't know, maybe not in the United States, but in Russia, because of the psychology was not so popular science during the soviet union and after it like after soviet union became like psychology everyone became a psychologist people in russia started to use this term from it that calls the shadow psychology That what you said before if you don't like someone people used to say that you don't like because you're afraid that you're very similar to him
0: oh that's the phrase for it is shadow yeah. psychology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh interesting okay i didn't know that The the article overall, I think we can all agree, is, like, not good. But this general idea, which he doesn't actually directly address, but that Russia has kind of always been, at least since the Cold War, like a foil to America, there's probably some legitimacy there, right?
2: I mean, the problem with this article, why I don't agree with it at all, I mean, the problem is that we're, again, using the rhetoric of the Cold War and that's the problem and the author is insisting that we are not using it but it's not true
1: you think that's what he's doing he's insisting that we're not like just going like going back you think that he's saying like this post Crimea thing is a new thing
2: no 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 like he's trying to compare Russian American relationships and all this idea of the double by Dostoevsky he started from the idea that Soviet Union was very different from United States that's why it was so easy to, you know, to be competitive, to try to explain why they're bad and we are good from both sides, and it's easy, but after that, like, in 90s and the early 21st century, we were trying to be very similar, with the same, like, main agenda, I guess, with the private property with the free with the liberal economy and etc 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 that was based on the American idea of ideology
0: the good capitalist
2: yeah yeah very capitalist so like when you trying to compare capitalists and socialists or even communists it's easy to say that damn bad guy yeah because we're very different So it's like comparing the, I don't know, milk and coffee. But when when you're comparing like two types of coffee, it's not like... I mean, you need to be very specific. And this article is not specific at all. It's just like the idea that, okay, let's read my opinion about it. But I mean, it's pretty normal for chairman of... Like, I guess (laughs) that's what he has to do because he's the chairman of the Center for Liberal Strategies in Vienna. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what, what are we expecting here? One like, of my favorite paragraphs is this, like, weird allusion to Silicon Valley that like, oh God, he alludes yeah. to it in this way where he's like, yeah, we all know this, right? It's like, you need to explain what you're talking about. Wait, let me just read it. Yeah, I here.
1: was I wanted to read that too because the end sentence is fucking crazy. Yeah, I ready. know,
0: I know, I know. Alright. It may take a while before working class Americans start to realize that while the American economy is dramatically different from that of Russia, the technological revolution led by Silicon Valley could in time tilt Western societies toward authoritarian politics in the same way that an abundance of natural resources has made made Mr. Putin's regime possible. Robots, not unlike most soviet citizens, are not that interested in democracy.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I definitely remember reading that. And now I'm like thinking about it. It's like so ridiculous that he's saying it may take a while before working class Americans as though like not working class, like intellectual, like we've totally, we totally see how Silicon Valley could tilt Western <laughs> yeah. society to <toward> an authoritarian politics. <laughs> <laughs> But the pleads haven't caught on yet. <laughs> also, the robot sentence is like super offensive and weird. It, it, yeah,
0: it's offensive and weird. And it's also just like it feels like he's referencing some sort of text, but in like a really bad way. Like, I'm sure there's theory out there around how Silicon Valley is about to like screw us all over, you know? But he's just acting like we know that already
1: because it's something about wait he compares it to saying like something about how resources are distributed like in a country right it's like Russia has all these resources like oil to export and then a few people can control them and something about that with Silicon Valley being a parallel like there's tech coming out of a very small area
0: yeah like like Peter Thiel is is an oligarch right like I think that's kind of the it's like centralized power based on a resource,
1: resource. But he goes into what like resource distribution, which kind of makes sense as a comparison. And then in one sentence, he switches to this fear of AI as like as the, <laughs> yeah. like AI robots are going to take over and they don't really give a fuck about democracy. They just care about zeros and ones. It's like, what are you doing? Just, just like most Soviet citizens. Just like
0: most- we were all speaking in binary after the fall of the Berlin Wall. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Maybe he Maybe. just,
2: like, overwatched Hollywood movies about robots. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, he needs to chill. All right. Yeah. I think we, I think we need to be <laughs> done with, to with Vanya here.
2: Crossed <laughs> All right. Vanya. All right, Ivan. We just
1: want to get the rap battle out of the way, I think. All right. All right. I told Smith this, like... I don't know when the rap battle came out. I was like, everyone's talking about it. Like it's all over the news. Because actually, like Medusa, the main liberal paper, well, the main one that I read, devoted at least five articles the week that the battle was posted. And so I was like, under the impression, yeah, that everyone was talking about it. And then Max is just like, who are these people? Like, what are these people? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know the rap battle? He's like, no. <laughs> You were like everybody's talking about. It. Everyone's talking about it. But actually like <laughs> all the Russians are talking. It's not like I talked to all the Russians, but it's true that like this week at my work, people were talking about it and specifically talking about this interview that was made with one of the rappers after it. But the point of this little segment for me is just like we're going to do a couple episodes, at least one next week on Russian hip hop. And I wanted to just, like, introduce this battle because it was it's a time-sensitive event and it actually, like, was... It it really was a big deal for some people.
2: No, 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 no. Like, I mean, yeah. It's not honest to say, like, about it. Like, that's... I'm not just, like, a typical person because I don't read Russian newspapers at all. That's why I missed it. (laughs) Maybe there are some memes about it, but because I missed it and I'm so far from this topic, I was. Because now I... Watched this battle and like 15 million people watched this on YouTube. So 19. that's 19. Yeah. Oh my God. 19. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's very like common thing.
1: Okay. So I'm going to do this quick, I think. Now that you're like embarrassed that you ever cared about <laughs> it, A little bit. Okay. So first of all, like just the context is just that like there are a couple of big YouTube channels that host these kinds of battles they compete with each other and basically it's a scene that exists it's not like as lame as it would be if it was in the u.s right
0: i want to be clear i mean i said i like said this via text that like rap battles aren't like really a thing anymore in the u.s but at one point they were and they weren't lame at that point they still happen occasionally but they wouldn't be like this big media sensation in the same way
1: that this okay so why is it a media sensation sorry to interrupt you um i just need to grab my thought before it flies away the two participants one is named oxymiron and the other is named gnoini which means what does gnoini mean max like gross and like
2: yeah something like that yeah
1: oh festering ew that's like ew oh that's bleak (laughs) like foul foul purulent yeah it's like a yeah it's a gross word in this in this battle it's like oxymiron the first guy Actually I'll introduce him first because he's easier to introduce. He's super famous. He's like a mega rap star. Like he fills stadiums. Like that's really all you need to know. Um he's he's been around a long time.
2: And he's very involved in Russian pop culture. Because he's on the media all the time with all pop stars meeting around and just he's like living with these celebrity lives. So
1: Konani has a few the festering guy. Right.
2: <laughs> festering guy.
1: What is it called? Like other names? Pseudonym? No. Like aka. Yeah. Okay, so he's also Slava KPSS.
2: Yeah, that's very ridiculous, because this is the phrase that communists say after the party, like the Communist Party. So the KPSS means the Communist Party of Soviet Union. Slava KPSS, this is the phrase they use when the party meeting or party gathering was ended. Kind of Nazi stuff to say.
1: Yeah, because Slava... Slava means glory. Glory.
2: So it means glory to Communist Party of Soviet Union. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like Heil Hitler a little bit. For communists,
2: yes. In that way.
1: Okay. Ew. I totally didn't get that because I'm I'm dumb. His other pseudonyms are just random. Like, I think all the ones. Sonia Marmeladova. Valentin Dziadka.
2: And Sonia Marmeladova is from Dostoevsky novel. The Uh, Crime and Punishment. And this is the, yeah. You know the character. Can Why?
1: you t- introduce?
2: Yeah, Sonya Marmeladova is one of the main character of the Dostoevsky novel, and she was working as a slut. <laughs> as a As <laughs> I a <mean>,
1: prostitute. prostitute? <laughs> yeah. Good. I wish you could work as a slut. <laughs> I want to work as a slut. Can I get paid for my lifestyle?
2: <laughs> yeah, she was working for like to help her family, oh, because God. like everyone in her family was ill, and she need. Because she was the oldest one. She needs to get monies. And then she fell in love with the main character. Who is Raskolnikov. And then she left. The pre- and she was very religious. That's the main point. That she was like during night time. She was a prostitute. During daytime she was praying. And asking for forgiveness. And you know yeah. Dostoevsky as usual yeah.
1: We're going to come to that later. Because I well I don't know. Describing like what his main vibe is. Basically these two characters like. The point is, one is super famous, and then the other one, Knojny, he's more of a, a battle rapper, quote-unquote. He's not as well-known, and... Well, now he's super well-known, obviously. Um, he's a bit younger. In this battle, they both represented these two, like, communities that I referenced. One is called Versus, and the other is called Slova SPB, which, is like, literally means word, St. Petersburg. It basically just means they're, like, competing platforms for rap battling, and each of them was representing one of those platforms, and it's, like it just sort of added a more of like a collective competition. The whole thing about Slava slash Gnoini, right? The like uh, underground kind of like battle rapper, underdog guy. His whole like shtick is that he is super like nihilistic. Like he's also part of a collective that's called, or like a, yeah, collective, I think it's called anti-hype. Anti-hype meaning like you don't care about, fame and like everything he he also calls himself like post-modern rapper but it's this whole has like a very fuck everything and he personally has that vibe they battled in three parts for an hour um, and then like the other main things that happened and people watched it people reacted to it there are memes about it like their vibe during the battle was very antagonistic but like for real like it was like not just like for the sake of the battle and kind of because like there's this sort of ideological like conflict happening where like oxymoron is like more not like from an older tradition but he definitely has more sincerity he's more sincere than the like fuck everything Gnoini guy i'm just realizing that he calls him the slava like glory to the communist party like that's so lame
2: But I guess the main idea of using this name, he tries to show that he doesn't care about anything at all, even about this Soviet bullshit. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, obviously he's not a communist. It's, like, obviously a joke, and he's also not religious. Like, that's his thing. And, like, the other big event that happened, just, like, media-wise, is that after the battle last week, on the 23rd, this really famous Russian YouTuber called Dude, (laughs) he does interviews with, like... A lot of famous people. Someone at my work referred to him as, like, the new Posner. Uh, the Posner of this generation. You're going to hear a clip from him in another episode, so I'm not going to introduce him. But anyway, he does an interview with Gnoini. Max and I watch part of this interview. It's just like, uh Gnoini's just like being super He annoying. sucks, yeah. He's, like, wearing sunglasses the whole time, obviously. He's just, like, sitting back in his, like, there. He's drinking a beer and they're, like, similar age, the interviewer and interviewee. And they're, like, kind of informal, like, cursing and stuff. People made a bunch of memes about this um, interview after because he just, like, says stupid things throughout it. Like, at one point, he there's sort of, like, an ongoing thing where he has, like, MDMA on a table. He keeps being like, it's not mine. It's just for guests. Like, don't you want... He like keeps offering him to like do drugs on TV. It's just like, and the guy's like, no, 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 I'm good, thank you. Like the controversy or like the thing about this whole battle is that the asshole is the one who won, and the fact that he won was like the newsworthy thing. And another thing I wanted to mention was that someone made a comment about like, is rap battle dead or something? The two of them reference definitely Oxymeron reference like that battle is not dead and also the the judges at the battle mentioned it because they're like yeah you guys this is like a really legendary battle no matter who won it was like legendary so you're like keeping this like culture alive et etc cetera, etc cetera. um so that's just important to mention that like when we mentioned how it's like not such a thing in america right now Russians are, like, aware of that. I, Max, I want you to kind of speak a little bit just, just like, about the, the content itself. Like, I can get a feeling from it, but basically, like, what happened was Oxymarine went first. His whole third round is just, like, him talking about the hero's journey and, like, literature. In the beginning, he's like, I'm going to talk about books. And then he goes all on, like, off on this, like, hero's journey analysis. And then in the end, like, his metaphor is that he's comparing his opponent to the villain character and being like, but you're not even a character, you're like empty, you're like a nothing, like you're not even an anti-hero, you're not even a hero. Then Gnoini like responds and his response is just like, you only talk about yourself and you're so full of yourself or something, I don't know. But I just wanted to know like linguistically, Max, like, like feeling you get like, is this lame? Is this not lame?
2: What I've got from this battle that it's the battle of two different cultures. Basically, because this Oximeron, the famous guy, he's from hip-hop culture because he possesses himself as a rapper. But definitely because of his popularity and because he's such a media person, he belongs to pop culture more than to any other. And even by his language, you can actually hear it. More than that, he pretends to be a very educated one. Because during this battle, he uses a lot of references to a lot of specific terminology that people are usually not really... It looks like he read very popular Russian scientific book. I'm sure you know it because I've seen it at your room in New York City, like upstate New York. Uh, it's Vladimir prop The oh, yeah. Morphology of the Fairy Tale. Yeah, and definitely that one... I mean, it's very popular. I guess the most popular one. And he... Maybe he read it. Because he's trying to mix this idea. Because he using... He always re- refers to these characters and your hero or an- anti-hero. So, you know, he's trying to use this and combine and he mixes and he definitely serifacked up. You know, when you read something and you're not really into it. And then you're trying to show that you're very... Smart one, like you know, fancy conversation somewhere in the Buckingham Palace.
1: Oh yeah, with the ideology. Remember, he's like, he's like, you don't have an ideology. Like you're just a villain with no ideology. You're
2: antagonist, y- yeah, you you have no ideology, and you're just a antagonist. But and your role is just to be a bad guy. But basically, when you said that someone has no ideology, it means that he has no ideology. But being an antagonist, so being anti-hero, it's an ideology to be a bad guy. He refers to some kind of mythologies, like the specific content he uses to explain this idea about mythology. He... Shows by example using fairy tales, but fairy tales and myth are not the same, definitely, and they're very far from each other. Like, and he refers to some dragons that you're going to fight with dragons, and and there are no dragons in Russian like folk fairy tales. Like there are a lot of them in very. It's not a. Uh, folklore studies you know it's like based on its literature it's not uh, fairy tales but well he mixes all the terminology in one but
0: wait wait but it's kind of his right to do that in some sense i think right like he's not trying to write like a rigorous dissertation on russian folklore
2: yeah yeah i mean i mean definitely definitely but uh he this is his right to do but the point is that he's like the main problem is that two different cultures that are trying to fight each other and he came with this pop culture stuff into the underground culture stuff that's why that's the point he like he's trying to play by the rules of basketball playing by football you cannot win when you play football with your arms you need to play legs, so...
1: <laughs> Wait, so what... If you play American football? Um, what is the... Yeah,
2: but I'm not talking about American football, I'm talking about football. Excuse- soccer. Yes, Sorry, yes. soccer, I remember the word.
1: <laughs> um, what's the... But really quickly, like, so I got the... He doesn't... Yeah, he's, like, mixing things up, and he's, like, trying to make the show being smart, but he's also, like, nobody cares about that in the scene, it's, like, playing different rules. But, like... The rap that you heard from Gnojny, like, is it cool? Like, is it, like, interesting linguistically? Like, is he... It's just hard for me to, like, judge that so much, like...
2: I mean, it's not very interesting by talking about, like... If we're talking about this rapping as a uh, poetry, I mean, the first one was, for me, was... Like, more interesting. Ximeroon uses a lot of references, even like mixing them. He uses a lot of l- references that you can like start to think. The gnoiny one, he uses a lot of full language.
0: Foul language? Foul oh, language. Person. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. He, he uses a lot of it. And I mean, I definitely, there are a lot of ways to use that language because in Russian it's very rich and very, you know, like. In a huge part of the language in general. Just like not a couple of words. And you can use it very beautifully. For example, like contemporary writer Tatiana Tolstaya is doing it in her books. So it can be very beautiful. But he uses it just like to be very mean. You can't see the beauty of language when he's speaking. I guess the reason why he won't. Because he's trying to represent this underground hip-hop culture and that's why he won this pop rapper maximum. Yeah.
1: No, I feel like I feel like that too. I almost feel like it was like impossible for him to lose just based on their like the setting kind of and like the situation he like just dominated in that sphere and he got way more like applause and support and like it, it just also like it's not just it's not just underground hip hop in Russia but it's specifically this like anti-hype again that like This, like, nihilistic Mm -hmm. stance. So there's no way this, like... It almost makes Oxymiron look a little bit, like, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, you know? He's, like, coming in and being like, I'm gonna rap! And everyone's like, uh, no. (laughs) Okay,
0: let's move on, shall we?
2: Yeah. So, M- Max, do you want to introduce this person? Kirill you
0: mean? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Kirill is very famous Like, I mean, he's very talented the theatrical director because he's not only famous for theaters but even for some movies, because he has like the special theatre center in Moscow that calls Gogol Center, and it was like his main base. But a couple years ago, I guess two years ago, the Bolshevik Theater, which is like the main theater in Russia for opera and ballet, ballet, he was the first one who became the director of Ballet performance. So not a choreographer, but a director. That is kind of strange. And he made the performances that called the hero of nowadays by Lermontov.
1: A hero of our time. A hero of our time.
2: Ah, hero of our time, yeah. And then they decided to do a new performance with him because it was quite successful and all critics became very excited about this performance it's very unusual for dance performance to have a director because it has a lot of you know small details that are very that are not very common for dance performance and they ask him because this year is the anniversary of Nuriev, who is a very famous ballet dancer who left Soviet Union and spent his life in the United States and for his anniversary they decided to have these performances called Nuriyev and Serebrinkov was the director of it and they planned to have the performance the first one the premiere in September I mean the whole season for the Bolshoi Theater which is the main theater for Russia will open with the performance by Kirill Serebrinkov Nuriev which based on the biography of Nuriev but maybe a month before the premiere the top manager of Bolshoi Theater announced that they're not going to perform this stage there at all. It will be later, without any date, so maybe never. Then started a lot of stuff, you know, just like they trying to find some corruption at his Gogol Center, which belongs to Serebrinkov. And they found something, and they arrested him, and etc, etc, and it became very... You know, very strange because a lot of people who belongs to this theater, actors, actresses, directors, set designers, and a lot of people recorded videos for supporting Serebryanko and asking him to release him from the jail. You know, the director should be free and to create his stuff and etc. etc. Bolshoi Theater, as I told already, it's the main Russian theater. So definitely Vladimir Putin and maybe Dmitry Medvedev, with the Prime Minister, will be there on the opening season because it's like, you know, a very special event. But the problem is, like, for <laughs> Russian government, I guess, not. it's not a problem at all for humanity, but for Russian government it is, that Nureyev was... He was a gay. Uh... And it was very unusual because during that performance they had the padede which means the main part in belly dance when two persons are dancing together Were dancing two male dancers because like well that's true nurif was gay so that what's the problem not for russian government so i guess the main problem lies there you cannot perform that you can actually in some small theaters and somewhere maybe but not at the main stage of russia oh my god i was close to say russian empire <laughs> 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 because i'm thinking about Putin too much like right now and you see it's like somewhere in the back of my brains <laughs> that He's trying to recreate empire and Bolshoi Theater was the main theater of the Russian empire and that was very close to fail.
0: <laughs> Wait, so so the reason for accusing him of corruption was to prevent this piece from being performed or are those two separate issues?
2: Like officially, there are two separate issues. So like the one that they stopped, they announced that there will not be a premiere of this performance. As it was promised, during that time, like a lot of dancers in Bolshoi Theatre started just like, "What? This is an amazing performance. It's very beautiful and it's very extremely unusual. And it will be a new era of Bolshoi Theatre of Russian dance stuff and etc. And definitely, it will be one of the greatest performance of the Bolshoi Theatre, and etc. etc. And then, then eventually they started this corruption stuff with Serebrenikov. That is very, you know, strange that they sent him away from Bolshoi Theater and in a couple of days they started this corruption stuff and put him in, in jail. Yes. So if
0: we assume that they are connected, I thought that there were, were laws around prosecuting people over, like, quote-unquote, gay propaganda. Why wouldn't they just use that?
2: But because there is no propaganda, there is, there is dancing of two male dancers.
1: He, it's just the history of the man is, yeah, you can't say that's gay propaganda because the history of the dancer.
0: Well, but I mean, the whole concept of gay propaganda from the first place is like kind of ridiculous, right? Like if you're going to say that, like, if you're going to say like having a, a rainbow flag sticker is propaganda and against the law, then you could... You could, under that same logic, make the argument that's showing two men dancing. You cannot
2: say that it's a gay propaganda, because there is no symbolic of gay culture. They're dancing, like, in a very classical way. But two male dancers, but still in a very classical way. So they're not kissing, they're not naked, they're not fucking each other on the stage. So you you cannot find a clue to use that, that law, because... It's impossible to explain why this is the gay propaganda because they're just dancing. They even just don't kiss each other. They're just, like, dancing together. And there is no... It's not prohibited to dance to male person together.
0: (laughs) Also,
1: I think it would be, like, a really in a more cynical way, I think it would be like a really bad like PR choice to use that as the reason to arrest there would be a lot of uproar. If that was a public reason.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: They'd have to be it would have to be super backbended. They'd have to be like, okay, because this ballet is about a gay dancer, it is gay propaganda. If they use that argument, like they being like the powers that be, right? Then people would be like, what the fuck? And it would get a lot of attention and they would yeah. So instead they're gonna they're doing like a smear campaign.
0: Yeah. Well, it does seem that like from what little I know that like the Russian government does have a particular strategy around accusing people of corruption. Yeah. That seems like their go to accusation. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's easy to charge somebody with that to like draw out the trial or whatever. I don't know.
1: Navalny, right. Navalny is the politician, the, the opposition politician who represents anti-corruption, but he was charged with like what embezzlement, which is like a kind of corruptiony thing and putin i mean like all the like leaders love to use this word it's like the word corruption it's like such a
2: it's a very it has a lot of negative connotations in russian language
1: and right because it's like it's representing this like sort of like soviet also i feel like history
2: like the very bad soviet history so because there are some very positive thoughts from soviet period but the corruption represents that it was very Gnoiny, <laughs> and also just like the,
1: but that's that's super interesting because yeah, both the like the the main United Russia, like the Putin party people, um, conservative people, and this like opposition movement are using are using that vocabulary, like they're both using the emotional power of the word corruption. Maybe you guys want to talk about like what has happened
0: since he was arrested.
2: You already know that he was arrested because of that corruption stuff. But I know the information from dancers from Bolshoi Theater because I know some of them personally. The official position of the top management of Bolshoi Theater, why they will not perform this Nuriv ballet soon, because it's not ready. And I asked the dancers from Bolshoi Theater what's really happened and they said that they were ready for it. Everyone was ready. And they said that it's because of the... Well, that's the main problem, that it's a political issue connected with Serebrennikov. And a lot of them compares this Serebrennikov case with the Khodorkovsky case. That's happened several times ago, and that's... People don't want to repeat this history, because a lot of artistic world, a lot of famous artists actors, directors, as I already told you, they were supporting Serebrenikov and asking to release him. Yeah, because no one believes that there is a corruption stuff with him because uh, because he is a very successful director, I guess. The, The main like, the sum of the like, it's only 68 million rubles, which means like 1 million dollars that he stole it from the state budget but wow. he's very successful director so I don't think that one million dollar will be for him a case for stealing because you know he performed a lot of performances around the world so I guess he had enough money because because his uh, advocate told that they can pay it the sum of it. Just like, if this is the case, we can give you that money. But the judge told that, no, it cannot be done. So it means that it's a political issue. And the main problem is that Serebrinkov is influential. And I guess they cannot deal with that idea that so anti-Putin's ideology. Like, for example, the representing of the, the biographer of a gay man on the main stage it will be like as, you know, like a hit to the bottom of the Putin's regime. We're not talking about that being gay is normal, I mean, that's obvious. That's strange that the performance was already done, but they knew that there will be such scenes before they started it, because it's the biography of the Narif. That's why he left Soviet Union. That was the reason why he left it. Because in Soviet Union he will be arrested and put in a concentration camp.
1: Like a psych ward, yeah. Yeah,
2: because of that it's it was very intense. Or they just thought that the biographical performance will just skip it. I dunno how like what was on their mind. Or they just said that it will be fine, and then some people from Minister of Culture came, saw it, and decided that it cannot be done on the main stage. It's not very clear. Yeah, it's that's... very obscure case, and the main problem is that like more than six hundred of main people from the artistic Russian cultural world signed the petition to the president, just like to stop this fighting against the liberty of the cultural politics in Russia. You see, the main problem is, like, it will be easy if serebrenikov was gay as well. So that will be easier, that will be called, like, propaganda, or they can do whatever they want, but he's not. <laughs> That's the problem for the government to find a way how to explain to the public the rest.
1: I'm glad you put it in that, like, framework and compared to...
2: Khodorkovsky. Um...
1: it's just important like to yeah contextualize that and and to point out that this it's not like this is happening left and right right like this is like a this is an important moment like a very very prominent figure and this like obscure kind of like it's not just like the russian government being like really explicit about their reasoning but everyone kind of knows and but it also just really has, like, a empire vibe. Just, like, it really sounds like from another era, kind of, like, the main stage of the Bolshoi theater. Like, Putin doesn't want to see that performance, basically. It's like, oh, God.
2: Yeah, but there were some performances that they perform very classical, based on very classical literature, like Shakespeare or something like that, or Pushkin or something. But they because he's very talented he can transmit it to the contemporary
1: oh i see what you're saying like satirizing yeah like using yeah
2: satirizing yeah
1: contemporary situations using like great works of literature Mm -hmm. or something yeah wow yeah you're saying he's not explicitly political but he does do like implicit yeah because
2: there is no statement from him like from navalny for example like from like political person, because he's, like, this is the main idea of being director, making performances, that you don't speak it with, like, directly with words. You can do it by your creations. The good thing with this case, it has united a lot of people.
0: You mean you mean people that would otherwise not be politically united are upset about it?
2: Yeah, because, you know, just like a lot of artists, they're just, like, living apart from politics, just like they prefer not to be involved in it. But after that arrest of Serebrennikov, they recorded a lot of video on YouTube, on Twitter, and a lot of mass media for supporting him. And they don't afraid to appear there with their names. And that's very important, but because basically all meetings in Russia, they prefer to be very anonymous anonymously done, so not to be arrested. And people with this case started to speak it loudly from their own names. And they're not, like, they're very popular figures. They're not just, like, random people or, like, random citizens. They're very involved in, in this media culture. People that always on the screens, on the TV, on the theatres, etc., etc. And they started to to be the part of these political issues and comparing with the Soviet Stalin's regime.
1: Oh, so they, really dire- they directly reference Stalin?
2: Some of them, yes.
1: That makes sense, yeah. It's like, that's a good point that people... This is also like a turning point because people are like taking a stand against this because it's like they see sort of the larger like potential impact of this kind of finagling.
2: It, yeah. yeah, because it means that you can be next. Yeah. And on that note, nothing's <laughs> y'all!
0: Note. That's the episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She's in Russia. You can also sign up for our newsletter at cheeseinrussia.com. Thanks for coming on, Max.
2: Thank you for inviting me, it was nice to be here.